The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. Okay. So uh, we're we're exploring uh, this week how death can inform life. The the um, implications for a dharma practice, and yesterday was emphasizing neither overlearning nor underlearning from mortality. Uh, in some sense, it's the most epic thing. In other ways, it's not such a big deal. William James said uh, that death is the worm at the core of the human condition that uh, turns us all into melancholy metaphysicians. Melancholy metaphysicians. Um, so I'm trying to uh, to weave one, you know, one of the core Buddhist teachings with this theme. And um, over the recent uh, years, really, have become acutely aware of the role, the future, the sense of our future plays in our inner life. And from the simple kind of recognition that... uh, so much of our thinking is essentially the heart and mind coping with anicca, coping with anicca. And anicca is usually, usually translated as impermanence, but connotes unpredictability, unreliability, uncertainty. And we're always trying to predict the movements of a an entropic world right so much so many of the kind of movements of our mind just abstracting away from this moment in order to understand what's coming next and the Buddha said, the world, the world trembles in all directions. Skills translation. The world trembles in all directions. And even when we're thinking about the past, it's often in service of learning something that will help us predict, control our future. So we settle down, we take a breath, right? But the impelling force of the future of becoming is 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 strong, and it's almost hard to conceive what a moment would be outside of the sense that something comes next. And as I said something, I just like pause because I wanted to feel 
the sense of, oh yeah, something comes next. That sense woven so deeply into this moment, something comes next. And so I say all this because uh, death is an invitation to contemplate futurelessness. Contemplate futurelessness. Something comes next, something comes next. And then it doesn't. And if there were nothing coming, or if we, maybe we could say, if we didn't care about what did come, there would be nothing to do but be awake. We call this samadhi, nothing to do but be awake. The, the kind of um, busyness and strategizing, the vigilance and fear and worry, all, all of it involves a future. And in our preoccupations and our, our tending and vigilance and strategizing, our energy is moving in all these different directions, what we want what we're avoiding and the sense of futurelessness simplifies everything, right? Contemplating mortality helps us sense this. And we do it as a kind of thought experiment. Okay, this moment, just this moment, right? In some ways that's what every meditation instruction is. our mortality allows us to actually get a kind of visceral hit of no future. And maybe you can actually sense intuitively how differently the world might feel if we were not preoccupied with becoming with uh, just how open that might be. And if, if, uh, if all we had was this moment, however long this moment is, all we had was this moment, I don't think any of us would doubt the Dharma. Awareness would matter so much. There would be nothing to do but be very, very awake. The brain brain scientist um, writing about uh, this theme 
uh, Helene uh, Slater. She says, the essence of our theory is quite simple. Our main contention is that meditation gradually brings the practitioner more and more into the present moment, thereby progressively abating temporally deep predictive processing in the brain. We contend that it's not only reduces episodic future thinking and decision-making, but can also explain the more unusual experiences reported by meditators, including the loss of self-other distinction and the cessation of time. If awareness rests in the here and now, all mental processes that involve abstract and temporally deep processing should logically fall away, including a sense of self, time, space, and body representation. We suggest that meditation reigns in the mind's habitual tendency to abstract away from the here and now until all phenomenological distinctions stop. Metaphorically, we suggest that meditation prunes the counterfactual tree. Prunes the counterfactual tree. Coulda, shoulda, woulda, the sense of um, what could have been, what might have been, the alternatives to this moment. The counterfactual tree is pruned. All the kind of, I remember, I don't know what I'm talking about, but from when I was a kid in class, like potential energy, kinetic energy, right? Um, It's almost like... um, the potential energy of the moment dissolves and whatever's here is here. This is uh, a contemplation of futurelessness. We put all of our hope into the present moment. And uh, all of our hope into the present moment. And so we have to put down our life, to put down our life, center our heart, awareness, what's here. Very um, early in, uh, in practice, I got the instruction uh, to sit, sit, sit like a dying person. And uh, a lot of ways uh, to hear that, right? But um, one of the ways I heard it was sit like a person without a future. And uh, 
nothing left to do but be awake in a moment like that. And so the fragility of our body, contemplation of its end, all of this uh, can, rather than frenzy our mind, can settle us, invites the contemplation of uh, futurelessness or to live this moment as if it were all there is. I offer this for um, consideration and uh, of course when we when we do this, when we sit in this way, when we practice uh, contemplate futurelessness, uh, know it. Um, it also clarifies the kind of life we wish to lead. And so these different realms, these realms of like very deep surrender and then organizing a Dharma life, they speak to one another. So we'll keep going tomorrow. Thank you. Uh, thank you all. Sweet to, uh, to be with you.